everybody. You are listening to the Tough Like a Girl podcast. My name is Vera. And I'm Liz. And we are joined by a third person today whose voice you have kind of heard, but you've heard us read his words. We get to welcome Tim Price. Hey there, Tim. Hello. Hello. Thank you for... So nice to see you, Vera and Liz. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Obviously, I've loved the show from the very beginning. Um, it's been great fun all along. And, you know, back in the back in the early days for the show, when you uh, were jumping on, boy, my kids had most of the books that you were reviewing. Or, <laughs> or they were superhero books that I'd read. So win-win. Um, and yeah, I'm so, uh, you know, big fan, but it's also like you've now in- enhanced my reading list enormously over the years as well as a few things like, yeah, to avoid these things. Okay, got it. <laughs> that, that was also helpful. <laughs> so I'm super glad that you guys could have me on. Thank you. We we have had a few of those over the, over the years. <laughs> I think we kind of yeah. had one last month, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, ha- I haven't written any feedback on that one, but you but that's pretty much the gist of what I would say anyway, so. <laughs> You all, you, that is like, thank I, That would say thank you for your service. <laughs> well, it is. Uh, and it's like, it's, it's never fun because I think, I think with the sole exception of Witchblade. Oh gosh. I don't, I don't, <laughs> we don't pick something expecting to dislike it. I did. I did have that one as a ringer because I wanted to see it melt your brain, but that's really the one outlier. You're so kind. So kind to me, baby. <laughs> I mean, like, in my defense, you seem to have largely forgotten it. Like, I remind you and it takes you a second and you're like, oh, no, the memories are back. Yeah. Yep. I, I hope this I hope this book was not in that category. Since, no. Since obviously, I'm here for a specific book that I that I enjoy, that I knew yep. had been on your list for a long time. And I hope that at least we'll have a positive discussion, even regardless of your takes on it. I hope we'll have a positive discussion. Well, that's why we have Tim here, because Tim has been pushing us for <laughs> ages to, Years, read, probably. to read Cleopatra in space. And yes, I am required to say it like that. It's podcast law. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's another reason to say it that way, but we can get into that later. <laughs> So uh, today we're just taking a look at book one, Target Practice. So this is by Mike Mayhack, who uh, is the sole credit. So I'm assuming he did the whole thing. Oh, <laughs> and and, oh. T- and Tim is showing off uh, signed with a sketch on the inside cover. Yes. Right. S- signed to my kids. It's got their names written in it. Uh, but yes, that's, a sketch, that, that was my sketch of Cleopatra. Mm-hmm. That's usually how uh, I get my that's, that's me telling that's me telling the, the listeners so that they know what since it's not a visual medium, they can't see what I got on the inside. But it's a delightful <laughs> sketch. It is. It was very nice. So I love it when they sketch them too. Like the illustrators, they're always so cute. I, most of my books that I get signed are to the students at school, but occasionally mm. I'll get something for me or a friend. Wonderful. So as a uh, quick recap and overview, Cleopatra in Space uh, stars, uh, yes, that Cleopatra. In fact, that's how it is described on the back blurb of the book. When a young Cleopatra, yes, that Cleopatra, 
we actually have what is uh, honestly it's i'm not even really being facetious it is pretty much a variant of the uh raiders of the lost ark cold open uh with cleo which is her preferred name uh getting away from a uh, bunch of uh, i guess they're spears but they have like lightsaber tips um so this sort of tribal group getting away from them with a key in hand uh and being picked up by a air bike in the shape of the sphinx being co being co-piloted by a cat in a sweater so that is our initial opening we then get to flash back to ancient egypt and briefly cover uh cleo's life at home before she was very suddenly transported to the far future to find out that she is there to fulfill a prophecy to help stop a dastardly villain who has a very interesting scheme. So Zias Octavian has apparently gone about first uh, copying all electronic records and then completely purging and like basically setting off EMP bombs. They don't call them that, but effectively that wiping out the electronics and everything. But there was actually, uh, there, there was a Pharaoh uh, named Yasiro, and this is in the future, who had decided that, you know, this, this digital stuff had gone too far and had reestablished paper records. And so that, that became the foundation of an organization known as Pyramid. Cleo, as I said, is a prophesied savior. She does uh, initially still have to go to school much to her chagrin. And this particular volume covers her schooling, the introduction of the major characters, including the uh, her cat co-pilot, who is also her, um, her one of her teachers, Kensu, and uh, her first mission uh, involving the retrieval of what looks like a ceremonial dagger and uh, some illusions and hints as to the bigger world. So, well, Tim, you're the guest. Why don't you tell us how you even came across this? Because I'm going to make a leap and say you probably like it for how hard you've been pushing it. I like it just a little bit. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I love this series. Um, and it really starts with how I first came across Mike Mayhack himself as an artist um, back in the day. So it would have been well before this book was published, um, came across him doing web comics. And one of his web comics was called Cow and Buffalo. Um, and it really just featured like characters that were a cow and a buffalo and they had adventures. And there's even like been a, a trade paperback of one of those series is out that, that you could probably still find. Um, and his artwork will also pop up. I, I followed then on, on Twitter and his part, his fan artwork of superhero characters are just as cute and adorable as these are. He does some incredible versions of the X-Men, especially the lady X-Men. And he does an annual tradition at Christmas time of a one page comic strip featuring Batgirl and Supergirl. And it's their being friends and their adventures are delightful every holiday. I look forward to it every year. But one of the other things he was doing back then was that he did start a sci-fi um, weekly or monthly comic comic series called Cleopatra in Space with 
four A's <laughs> in the name. So it was definitely leaning heavily into the 50s and 60s sci-fi. And, you know, like this one has its cold open. That's how that series opened, too. It's like jump straight into adventure, not even doing any of the backstory. Um, he only got through maybe two and a half chapters of what he wanted to do. And he only just barely touched on even what Cleo was going through at Pyramid and at school. They didn't even get into her past and how she got into the future or any of those things yet. None of those things have been laid out. So it was like a, he had a bigger story he was planning to tell. But what happened was he got this book deal from Scholastic. So as much as I love that series, he had to just abort it and start working on this. And, you know, that series was just, you can't find it anymore though, because the websites have all expired, but he's moved some of the pages to deviantart.com. So you can find some of them out there still. Uh, but there, it's just, it was it kind of heartbreaking because boy, it was like seeing the early days, you know, seeing how he was starting to craft it back then. But yeah, he got this deal for Scholastic. So I was like, okay, I'm definitely going to keep an eye on it. It's like, oh, only one A in space. Okay, that's all right. And that, but that, that's the sacrifice. Yeah, that has you know, to be made. Well, exactly. you have to make sure the kids are spelling it right. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> but you know, from the very first image of Cleo riding a, an a, a, a sphinx-shaped cycle through space with a cat in a sidecar who's a talking cat um, fighting aliens and zapping them. And it's basically an action-adventure person. It's like, what's not to love? <laughs> so this series, like, I just had to jump on, this, the, on the ground floor. My kids were at the right age to start reading it too. Basically, they stole all my copies and they have them in their room. So, you know, they have the books, even though I bought them. And really, like, <laughs> I kind of bought them for them in the more late recent years. But it's like, oh, no, I've read every single one of them. And, you know, I, I haven't reread the other the later volumes as much. Um, and so now I've got to do it. But I, was, I was saving it because I didn't want to be I didn't want my brain to be full of spoilers talking today. So I didn't reread it. But now I'm going to have to after we're done recording. So this will be fun. But, yeah, that breaks. That's really what I brought to the why I've been so hyped for this. I've been enjoying it. I love Mayhex artwork. It's so cute. Uh, it's refreshing. The characters are attractive without being sexualized. And he does cats. He does lots of cats. And they're always cute and fun. And he, he loves his own cats himself. So, you know, it just pushes all the right buttons. It's a great, great series. I love it from beginning to end. Well, that's a ringing endorsement. Liz, initial impressions? I enjoyed it as well. Um, I like I we I think we always like the animal sidekicks, like the three-legged dog and Snapdragon, and like mm -hmm. yep. the cat and pretty much anything. Like it's it's always good. Like we love our little furry sidekicks, and I enjoyed the kitties. Um, I like the setup of like her, you know, taking classes at. Um, you know, this new school and trying to fit in. Um, I enjoy the little side adventure. I enjoy all the intrigue. Um, I think my one note, of course, is going to be like my little social justice note in that I'm, I'm wondering, you know, like, I feel like Cleopatra has been kind of used a lot by white people. And I'm assuming this author is kind of white and like 
covering, you know, an Egyptian queen and, you know, I kind of wonder about that. So that's my note on like culturally, it's a little appropriated probably. Um, but other than that, I liked it. Um, and what else did I have to say? Oh, I like the little aliens at the end. They're super cute. And at the beginning with the, the cold open and everything. So they were cute. The green Pikachus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, way better than the last space adventure we were on last month. So much mm. better. So yeah, a lot of fun. Um, fun characters that you want to kind of get to know more. And I like Cleo. I like that her slingshot skills translate to her being really good at target practice. I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. All right. I like that that translates, that she still hates algebra, you know, all that. So I'm always, I, I do always like those going to school, magical, supernatural elements to stories. So. You know, it's funny. It didn't occur to me until just now. This is kind of the good version of everything that was wrong with Kira. Oh, in interesting. <laughs> in many, many ways. So like, and, and by way of illustration, allow me to lay out a couple of things that came in early on that made me very nervous because they're a little bit of for me. Now, as much as I love Indiana Jones and I grew up on it, at this point, I also recognize how deep the colonialist uh, vibe of Ooh. that entire franchise and in general, the treasure hunting genre, lost world genre is kind of to its core. So having mm -hmm. that cold open made me nervous. Later on, the word prophecy was said and there are a few quicker <laughs> ways to get me to roll my eyes so hard that I give myself a migraine than to introduce a prophecy. I was a little nervous about that myself. That having been said, <laughs> it does a couple of things specific that make these things work for me. And then it has one broad overarching thing. So some of the things in specific, while I'm not going to say it's completely cleansed of like the colonialist aspects of the cold open. It helps itself a lot by having the artifact she's getting not be native to that planet. It's something like one of her fellow students like left behind at some point. So mm -hmm. she's not actually stealing mm -hmm. their cultural artifact. That helps. So there's little touch and things like that. And honestly, kind of like what you with what you said, Liz, about the cultural appropriation, I'm not going to argue with that, but I will say it softens it how little time is spent in Egypt itself. And she's largely yeah. removed from that. So we're not spending a ton of time in a culture that we have no idea whether any research was done or whether this or whether uh, Mike Mayak really has any business going on about it. And it's like, no, we're now in a completely new setting. Like, okay. And again, doesn't completely remove it, but softens what could have been very troublesome otherwise. But then the big thing that makes all this go down well is the tone and the humor are just perfect. They are absolutely perfectly pitched. Like when Cleo is, is trying to get away from uh, the green Pikachus 
And like she grabs the vine, she goes to swing across this ravine, but doesn't quite make it. So it swings back and forth a few times, but she's just hanging in the middle. Uh, little help. And it's <laughs> it's moments like that, or with the slingshot when like when we have the flashback and she uh, she like gets one of her friends out of his class so they can mess around with slingshots. And he goes, "Didn't your dad take those away from you?" Um, and um, and she goes, you know, they're not hard to make, right? <laughs> there's, there's these little injections of humor that do the one thing that if you're going to get me to swallow something like a prophecy story, I need, which is to know that you don't think this is a good, brilliant idea and you're not taking it that seriously. I can deal with it when the tongue is in the cheek and it is here. It's when it's like, I don't like the idea in general, but when it's played straight, oh my God, I cannot stand it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That, that is one thing they definitely do not play straight, especially several characters will even say it, you know, future savior in quotes in their word balloons. So, you know, they're dripping with sarcasm about that Cleo's falling into this. Um, and uh, one of the other things that's kind of interesting to me about it too, is that since time travels involved with this story, you know, how much of how much how does that affect what a prophecy really is? You know, it's like messages going between time. Hmm. You know, I just I, I don't remember the exact details of how that plays out, but, you know, it kind of changes the formula a little bit. I think Vera, you have a good point that the humor does help it because she does not come off as self-righteous or suffer from what I like to call protagonitis. Um, so, <laughs> which so many stories and that involve like a chosen one or a prophecy or a savior suffer from mm-hmm. <laughs> watching yeah. once upon a time right now and looking at you <laughs> and my swan <laughs> yeah cleo just outright laughs at the idea that she's the prop that that she's the chosen one when, yeah. when she's first told it yeah she's like you gotta be kidding me and and i'm just her lighthearted, like she rolls with stuff very well, but like she's not, she, not everything is a joke either. It, it does that, but well, like she feels like a teenager. Like she understands this is important, but she's also kind of physically incapable of taking it completely seriously. Yeah. Which, I mean, my kid's not a teen yet, but like I, I see the, mm-hmm. I see the early signs. I think setting her at like 15 is a good age where like you can do the crush stuff, but it doesn't get too heavy into the like sexual implications of it so that the book can be read by a lot younger kids. Mm-hmm. Which like- I think is like, I think I have it at my middle school. I'm actually going to bring it to my elementary school now that I've read it. Cause I'm like, I think it's going to f- work better there. They're also going through a stage where they're not really reading sci-fi much at the middle school. And I'm like, this, hmm. this might be perfect for like the fourth and the third grade. So mm-hmm. let's see. Well, my kids were about eight or nine when the first one came out and they, they, um, and, but one of them gives it like a reread every year or two from beginning to end. And they are now the age that Cleo is in this book. Well, they're actually a little bit older because one of them has their driver's license. So I was like, oh my gosh, I'm old. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, they, they, I, when I'm reading it now, even 
seeing my kids have gotten older too. It's like, oh man, there is so much of this attitude from Cleo and and the other characters that are her friends coming through here. So I was like, uh, and and Mike Mayhack has kids, but they're they're a lot younger than this. So when he was writing the story, so I I, I don't he must have just really good a really good ear for that age group because he did a really good job capturing them in in my opinion and the dialogue and etc. Like this is completely random, but I love when Cleopatra meets this character named Brian, and she's like, Brian, that's a really weird name. <laughs> like, I just love it because that actually makes so much sense. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. like all the all the names of all the cats she's been hearing, they're like, they're I'm not I'm not sure if they're actually Egyptian names, but they like feel like they're more in tune with that part of the world. And she hears the name Brian. What? What kind of name is Brian? <laughs> yeah. Whereas her roommate is named Akila, and that's okay. Yeah, no, that makes yeah. total sense. Nothing weird about it, that. No, definitely not. I and actually I- had a colleague named Cleopatra. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, it happens. <laughs> They're out there. Well, that uh, would make sense for a modern day Cleo that that might be their long name. Mm-hmm. Now that I think about it. Yeah. <laughs> trying to think if I had any other particular things because like I could just go through a lot of specific highlights I like you Liz I appreciate that algebra is is her nemesis across time and space <laughs> yeah I kind of get that I was not a math science person so I would have been like yeah I'd rather do target practice too probably but yeah her the cl- the pictures of her in class and like are just really fun and cute. You know, like biology, algebra, alien languages, you know, just like her head on the desk, like making faces at tentacles during biology, like good stuff. Then she gets into target practice and gets handed a gun. What's this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can hear the laugh in her inside her head. Oh, yeah. She's, and then she also likes combat training. She does really good at combat training. So, Cleo's a jock, is what that boiled down to. To me, is that she's a jock. You're right. No, I could see that for the actual Cleopatra. For some reason, you know. Correct me if I'm wrong, Liz, in this impression, because you'll have a wider breadth of knowledge on this than I would. But I feel like. A lot of times for younger protagonists in anything like this in a fantasy sci-fi setting, it's usually the other way around. Like they've got some other talent or skill or knack, but it's not fighting. They have to learn how to fight and they're initially not good at it. Yeah, sometimes. Or sometimes they just stay not good at it. Like Rick Riordan's characters, like Magnus Chase, not and like his his dad god dad is not good at is not like the warrior god he's like the kind of like hippie stoner god so (laughs) so yeah i think that's sometimes true sometimes they have the uh, there was also like this whole thing and it was with movies for a while where it was like the tiny girl who is the naturally good fighter, which made me roll my eyes a lot. Yeah, but that was never the main character. That was always a side character. 
Uh, not in things like Divergent and things like that. Oh, oh yeah. Well, that's I, I missed the whole post-apocalyptic teen genre. So, mm. yeah, I think now we're into like the fractured fairy tale. Like fantasy, dark fantasy kind of series is the new new trend. That's that's the new hotness with with the youth. I, I kind of, yeah, I think so. I, I, I still can't get my kid to read anything other than Wings of Fire or Warrior Cat. So, <sighs> and she loves yeah, to read, kidding. but oh my God. Well, my, my, my kids read, read lots of, of Warriors as well back in the day. And they, t- but you know what? Also, uh, just a side thing is that the fact that they would talk to me about it built a good relationship with them that i still have to today so i'll take it oh kiddo will uh kiddo will talk to me about wings of fire mostly which is the one she likes better Mm. anyways Mm -hmm. but um i think i think i hit the major points i had like it's good this is a good Mm -hmm. cute fun book the art is simplistic but it's energetic the coloring is really nicely done the comedic timing is fantastic. The tone is exactly what I needed it to be for me to work with some of the plot points going on. Um, yeah, I really liked it. And there's talking kitties. And there are talking <laughs> cats. Lots of talking kitties. Yes, always important. Some of whom seem mysterious and po- possibly not trustworthy. Ooh, like most cats. Mm. <laughs> I was going to say, I mean, so you basically, in so every basically cat. cats. Yeah, yeah so basically cats. Yeah, <laughs> but not cats. The musical, thank goodness. No, there's that. There's a difference there. That's a different thing. <laughs> God, I remember. Oh God, that was early into the pandemic. Into the pandemic, we had we had the we had the group Zoom drunk viewing of that. <laughs> Tim, have you seen that? My kids have shared with me some youtube clips of it so i have not seen the entire thing if and that was enough it, yeah like if you ever decide to see it do not do it sober and do it with like a group of people so you can just like roast it so because <laughs> that's all you can really do with it inebriation in the mm-hmm. buddy system otherwise do not approach yeah well, so, 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 like I said, since my kids are vetting it for me and they're basically like, we don't want to go see it. Well, you're the only one I would go see it with. So it's like, forget it. It's fine. We'll we'll watch the videos making fun of them. That's fine. Oh, yeah. No, there's plenty <laughs> of those. Heck, you can you can I'll, I'll get a plug in there early. You can uh, look at the review that I shot on Council of Geeks immediately after that viewing. And I was still drunk when I recorded that review. So oh my gosh, that was funny watching it. I was like, wow. <laughs> I did not take the time to sober up between drinking my way through the movie and then recording the review. I think that actually was my first drunk review. I do them intermittently now, mostly on commission. <laughs> uh, but yeah. But I think I think I've hit everything I wanted to say. Did anyone else have major points they wanted to note? No, I'm good. I was just going to add that the one thing about the future is all, we've already kind of established that, yes, there's very much an Egyptian feel to this future. So it's kind of interesting that, you know, this is a history where the Egyptian line kind of permeates far into the future. So like 
does it really intercept? Is it realistic for what our the world we know of has progressed? No idea. But I like the aesthetic that he puts into the future. But yeah, the humor is also just top notch throughout. Um, like the, when Cleo is in detention and she and the other kid there are whispering and Kensu is like, do you think I can't hear you? You're the only two here. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that like, would definitely be detention and like something a strict teacher yeah. would say. And Akila, her friend and roommate, is, is so sweet and, and positive, but also a teacher's pet and a bookworm. Uh, and also saying like, don't worry, your first mission is like no big deal. I had to go to the library and just do some and just find some stuff there. That was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and Cleo's just like staring at her. <laughs> <laughs> So I like Akila. She's fun. But yeah, so, that, like, yeah I'm, I, I could just gush page by page on it. And I'm not going to do that because <laughs> then you wouldn't need to read the book. You all should buy the book and read the book because it's a great book. Yeah. Well, somebody has to be the bookworm. Right, Liz? Right. <laughs> um, so, yeah, um, before we do commercial break um, and Liz and I cover uh, listener feedback, Tim, do you have anything that you want to plug direct the listeners to other appearances projects what are you up to yeah sure i'd be glad to thank you very much um i'm a regular contributor on the batgirl cassandra kane podcast on the right on network you can find us on twitter at hunters podcast and yes we're covering the appearances of cassandra kane as Batgirl, and we might get into the future get into somewhere she's other characters but right now we're covering the new series batgirls plural that's out right now that's been a way fun so we're enjoying that um also i'm the host of the outcasters a batman and the outsiders podcast you can find us on twitter at bat outcasters we're covering the 1980s series right now and it's been really great you can also find me on twitter at tim price 17 um and i have an upcoming appearance on rob kelly's mash cast as he gets into season five of that show so that's coming soon uh, and basically, you find me crashing around on the internet on various podcasts here and there. But yeah, that's where you can find me. Well, we're very glad that you crashed here with us for this one. Thank you. Uh, thank you for having me. Uh, uh, and all of my nagging and uh, bribery paid off. <laughs> it, it did indeed. <laughs> it, it only took a few years, but yes, eventually. Okay. <laughs> Patience wins the day. <laughs> well, thank you tim and stick around folks we're gonna have a quick promo break and then we'll be back with listener feedback the justice league wouldn't help him so batman formed a new team these people of power are all looking for something be it their past or a purpose or simply somewhere to fit in these are the heroes for a troubled age they are the outsiders we are the outsiders. Oh, we are the outsiders. Covering Mike W. Barr's 1983 series from the very beginning, as they face villains no other team can, like Agent Orange, the Force of July, and the Nuclear Family. <laughs> Puns. This is The Outcasters, a Batman and the Outsiders podcast. Look for us with The Huntress Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. Or listen at our website, thehuntresspodcast.com, and follow us on Twitter at BatOutcasters. 
We are the Outcasters, because to live outside the law, you must be honest. Hey there, folks. So, um, you, we're not going to do listener feedback uh, this time. So, like, we didn't record it uh, over the Zoom call where it was me and Liz and Tim. I meant to record it next time Liz and I were together. Uh, I forgot uh, to have us do that. So that's on me. And I, w- I thought to myself, well, I'll do it on my own. And you know what? It... I tried recording it. It feels wrong. Like not having Liz to bounce off of, not see if the uh, the comments spark any actual kind of conversation. Yeah, it's not the same. So uh, we're skipping it. So no listener feedback this month. Um, it, it should be back next month. Uh, but for right now, that'll wrap it up. Uh, next time we are going to be doing a volume of White Tiger, uh, which is a Marvel character who I know very little about. And, uh, so that'll be an interesting experience. And, uh, until then, be well, be safe, and be kind. See you in a month. Tough Like a Girl is a Council of Geeks production and is presented on the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Comments can be left at fireandwaterpodcast.com and you can support the network by finding Fire and Water Podcast Network on Patreon. This particular show enjoys support from Carolyn and Brian Linton. Our logo art was created by Nick Buxom and our theme music is by Erica Dreisbach. Thanks again for listening. Not a clue. I think we should do something more superhero-y again. All right. Do you want to knock out White Tiger? We've had that sitting in the background for a little bit. Um. Okay. I don't. I mean, I can look at what else I've got. That's just off the top of my head. I don't even remember what that is. So I don't really know. It's a. It's a Latina woman tiger in in a tiger outfit. Yeah. Okay. All right, we could try it, sure. With a little with a little green bling. I mean, like my favorite thing about White Tiger is the fact that like a bunch of idiot racists like tried to claim that Black Panther was a racist character. Like, well, how would you like it if there was a character named White Tiger? And all the comic book fans were like, does anyone want to tell them that not only is there a white tiger, but there have been four different people who've held that mantle and none of them were white? Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> that makes me so happy.